Hey, welcome back to STS. Coach Renee here with my good friend, Daryl Stingley. We are in Origins Parkour facility today, and we decided to make this one right. That's right. That's hot. That's right. That's hot. All right, so we're gonna get into a, a talk today uh, about yourself, about some things that people may not know. But before we get into that, I just wanna quickly announce our winner of our comment challenge Last episode, uh, the man who managed to spell my entire name, single letter at a time in comments is Stanley Easy PK. I think I'm getting that right. Yeah. For the handle, you know this guy. Yeah. He's a good guy. Stanley's dope. Yeah. All right. Stanley's well, a really cool guy. I'm glad the uh, cool mint chimp shirt is uh, is going to <laughs> a good person, and uh, we're gonna announce a little bit later uh, the next comment challenge. So stay tuned for that. But the first thing I wanted to uh, talk, about, talk about, if uh, we can, is uh, the age that you started parkour and maybe also the age I started parkour, because it was around the same era, yeah. but years apart, and uh, some, of the, some of the things that go around with that. So you were, if I'm not mistaken, 12 years old? I was 12, yes. When you started? Yes. And what year was that? Uh, 2005. Okay. And so I started 2003, roughly. Yeah but I was 17, and I think this is why you're better than me. That's a specific reason. That's, so, that's the only reason. Age, two years after the sport developed a little longer. It was a totally different game from 2003 to 2005, all right? They, people were doing different stuff. Uh, it was mostly the same. Yeah. It was mostly the same. That was but, more, of a, that was more but, of a joke right there. <laughs> Hardcore sarcasm. In that, in that era, uh, you know, being being two separate separate ages apart, and I really think like when I said 2003, it's at the tail end of 2003. So really, yeah. really like 04 is kind of when I when I first started to actually practice more parkour. Yeah. But what were you doing before that? So you know, age age 12, that's a pretty early age. Like that's kind of the age where you do want to start specializing in a sport. Right. But what kind of other like sports or activities were you doing before that that maybe? either pushed you into parkour or you think helped make you the person you are today? Well, funny enough, actually, the first time I ever did parkour, I was 11 because uh, it was at the beginning of 2005. My birthday's in February. My best friend at the time, his birthday's January, January 9th, February 9th. And uh, we st I started parkour on his birthday, um, technically, but I just say 12 because I wasn't, you know what I mean? Like 12, 12 was only a month away. Um, but before, before parkour, um, I was doing uh, a lot of martial arts. Um, it was mostly like self-practice at this point in time because I had done uh, traditional like TKD and stuff for a couple years and uh, I was just not a, not a big fan of the, the setting um, and like the, the like rigidity of the rules. Um, so, you know, I was doing a lot of like Bruce Lee study and philosophy. That was like my favorite thing to do was to study Bruce Lee study martial arts practices and, and um, uh, the culture around it and stuff like that. So that's what I was spending most of my time doing for all of the years beforehand. Did, did, did you jump in Taekwondo? Like, were there jumps? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, came, I came from like a, a karate background and, yeah. and quit for similar reasons in that like I just didn't feel like I was getting anywhere with it. I really like competing, but I often left competitions frustrated. Like I could have whipped that guy's ass, but we yeah. got this you know, point sparring yeah, thing I gotta do. These rule systems and My stuff mom, like that. MMA didn't exist at the time. I exactly. probably would have done better in something full contact, you know, where I could, you know, actually get my aggression out there. But yeah, yeah, I, I, but we didn't do any jumps and it was all like this sort of, um, 
like stances, so I feel like it helped with my knee tracking a bit, that kind of thing, because you get into like horse stances yeah. and front stances that, that help with that early development of just body awareness, but, but no jumping. It was like stay hard to the ground and be like very rigid with your, your form and not fluid or relaxed. Yeah, it was, um, it was, it, I was definitely more, I wouldn't say more free form, but there was a little bit more of a, I would consider like a flow aspect to Taekwondo um, as opposed to, to karate because I had, I had the choice um, and I chose Taekwondo for a reason. It was more, more, uh, more kicks, more dynamic movement. I thought that was going to be more fun. What I, what I should have done and what I ended up doing eventually was um, briefly studying Wing Chun and uh, that was like, that was my favorite. Um, you know, no jumping in there, but I loved the I loved the forms and the steps. It was a little bit more like, like like this form right here. It was just I don't you know this right here was already something different from your typical, because in karate it's the same as TKD as TKD right. You get in your horse stance, you have fists close to the hips, uh, shoulders like lock drop down and square. Yeah, so that's how we started. And when I got in the Wing Chun, I was like, yeah, this is great. Um, but it's the same issue with the class structure um, and how it was being taught. That, that led me away from it and um, more toward like JKD and stuff, you know, just a little bit more freestyle. Um, and that was, that was enjoyable. But uh, yeah, I, honestly, if MMA came sooner, I might, I might be doing that right now instead of parkour. Um, or at least I'd, maybe I'd be doing both. But, um, but yeah, that was, that was what I was into. Uh, I was also well, I stopped playing basketball and, and football um, and baseball <laughs> at this time, specifically um, to not be stigmatized by the suburbs that I was living in. So, so you, had, like, you had a lot of sports that you were doing. Yeah, yeah. I was, I, was, I was skating. I, was, I started skating actually when I um, moved to the suburbs. So I was maybe um, nine or ten at that point in time. But I wasn't great. I wasn't like a legit skateboarder. I, I just I could I could get on the board and I could ride. I could drop curbs and stuff like that. I could get it. I could travel places. But that was about it. Um, BMX and mountain biking were the two extreme sports that I took a little bit more seriously. But even those, like I didn't have the right BMX bike. I didn't know. I was trying to do everything that the real pros were doing, um, like three sixties and bar spins with the Walmart bot. Um, <laughs> the Walmart bought like a Huffy or Mongoose, which those frames are super heavy compared to a real BMX um, uh, frame. And then mountain biking is the same thing. Same, I didn't, I didn't get a specialized bike. I got the Mongoose from Walmart because that's, that's what you get. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I mountain biked for like a year and everyone I knew was way better than me. And they all had, I, I lived in a neighborhood that was like, right next to a neighborhood that where if you were in the other one that I was next to, you had a lot of money. And then uh -huh. if you were in my neighborhood, you probably had like a single parent or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, all, all the guys on the mountain bike team in, in eighth grade, which I joined for some reason, all had expensive bikes. Yeah. My bike. You had a mountain bike team? Yeah, I think my shocks froze or something. And, and I just rode it for like one, for one year, but I couldn't do like any tricks or anything. I just yeah. like riding downhill and stuff like that. Never took a mountain biking again for that reason. Got into parkour because it's cheap. Yeah, <laughs> so it's super cheap. That's pretty much <laughs> pretty much one of the driving reasons for like getting into parkour. It's like, oh yeah, you can you know, do this right away. Exactly. That's actually one of the reasons why um, I was able to, I, was, I think I, that was one of the reasons why I was so supported in doing it. Um, because 
out of everything that costs money that I wanted to do that uh, my dad was totally willing to, to let me be a part of, um, this was the thing that it seemed like I was doing for my own reasons, not because I was trying to like, you know, um, keep up with him or my brother or anything like that. Uh, and it didn't cost anything, you know. The, the shoes that my dad was buying before that, because you know, it's typical, typical black family, um, you got a little bit of money, go get some, you go get some Jordans. You know what I mean? Get Jordans, get Timberlands, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. Um, you wear Fila's uh, to mess up because those are cheap as hell. Uh, but once it got into parkour, it was all of the cheapest Nike running shoes were the thing, like the Nike darts. You remember the Nike dart era? Mm -hmm. When everybody was like, these are the perfect shoe for parkour. Yeah, that was a, that was a game changer for, for Pops when it was like, I can get you 10 pairs of these. I can get you 10 pairs of these right now and you could blow through them all right now. How much parkour do you want to do? Let's put these to use. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, the, the uh, cash threshold for entry with parkour, very driving factor, mm -hmm. especially for a kid from the neighborhood, super driving factor to, to stay in. Yeah, so maybe some obvious like, I guess, I think for a lot of us too, it's like obvious like uh, social dynamics that get people into, into parkour, um, depending on where you're from. But going back to kind of like that, like sport development. So uh, your main focus was like Taekwondo before starting parkour, but you also did a bunch of other sports. Is there anything like from those things that you'd attribute to what you are capable of now or what you found easy when you started parkour? Because obviously now you're known for having a lot of power, speed, uh, confidence to hit like big challenges. So out of those things, what kind of made things, I guess, easier getting into parkour? Um, well, I, I, I ran a lot because, um, you know, you, in football you have to sprint all the time, like, especially if you're a receiver, which I was in, um, in sixth grade. I got, I got to play my first real, like, year of football, unfortunately. Uh, it was flag football because we were, <laughs> it's a Christian school, so no tackling, right, no, no, no violence. Um, but uh, the running is the same. Actually, I, I would consider the running to be, uh, a little bit more challenging because like you're not just gonna get knocked down and the people that are sprinting after you are sprinting after you with like their their full commitment because they actually have to reach you they can't just dive at you they have to reach you grab your flag and pull it so um, I was really good at, at maneuvering I was really really good at like juking people um, and I was small so um, I, I had a little bit of, of an advantage I think in speed because of that because I was the I was a smaller person uh, in the on the field so I think that that helped me a lot um, at least when it comes to approach on things uh, like running into running jumps because I mean, back in the day the running jumps were you jump that gap you're not sticking you're not sticking yeah. that <laughs> jump that gap and roll um, and doesn't even matter if the thing's two feet off the ground you land on it and uh, and if there's flat ground in front of you you roll so that was um, something that I think was helpful um, but I don't think I got much other than the ability to uh, train, or at least ideally to train. Because for martial arts, you know, you, you, you have to train. Like you have to condition uh, in order to be able to like, perform in martial arts. There's no weight behind your punch, right? There's no, there's no power or precision if there's, if there's no speed, right? So those are things that, that uh, you repetitively practice. And then obviously, you know, the push-ups, the, the sit-ups, the holding horse stance for you know, an hour. So even um, at like age like 11 or 12, you feel like you 
you have like a full schedule of the week like you were yeah. like doing a lot of activities like yeah in good shape for do you, you know do you still do you still have that, that like six I pack to, yet, i no did like? yeah <laughs> i actually I would, I would consider my abs to have been better back then because i was um you remember you remember uh jump london mm -hmm. when when they're talking about sebastian Foucault doing uh doing 400 sit-ups a day yeah. and they show him doing that mm -hmm. i i saw that uh and i was like that's the thing to do like and i already do sit-ups so i just have to do 300 plus more right um so i had the idea of training in mind already or conditioning in mind already um so i was i was i was athletic i was athletic i was the most athletic of all of my friends um all of my friends in the suburbs to be specific mm -hmm because the friends in the neighborhood were a little they were like d1 <laughs> so you know um but yeah i was i was athletic and uh I, I, w I was particularly fearful though that was the only thing um the the scariest thing to do in parkour back then was jump off something high so um i had a serious fear of heights still have a pretty serious fear of heights but uh in my mind it was like that's the that's the that's the ideology of the sport that was expressed with my entry right was you're yeah, overcoming those fears same. and stuff like that yeah so so that was my um i just get up there jump off that people can do it i can survive it i can learn techniques to be able to do it i thought that i would be able to do that two-story drop one day you know but alas <laughs> that's a good thing <laughs> cooler heads prevailed and i guess this is a good time too to kind of move forward in the future now. Uh, so you have, uh, we, we've come out here, and when you uh, asked about, uh, we started talking about you coming out here to, for, a, for a visit, and I was like, why do you want, it's cold. Why do you want, <laughs> like you're in the middle of December in, in Vancouver, and you're, you've been spending your last uh, days in, in Miami. Yeah. So big weather difference, and it's been, we, have nothing but rain around this time of the year too. So you're not gonna get outside, you're not gonna be able to see the spots and things. But one of the things you said is that you had a, a, a new project in mind. So maybe we could talk a little bit about that, about what you're, what you're currently working on. Uh, we just, in the past year, you, uh, you put out Trials Morales, was kind of the big project for 2021. But uh, what are we working up to for 2022? Uh, I have been, I've actually been conceptualizing what a sequel to 16 bars would be for um, the past, I'd probably say the past three years. I've been trying to figure out how, how, do, I, how do I make a sequel to 16 bars, and uh, I've been practicing specifically to be able to do that um, for the past, um, past three years, like with, with previous projects, like Bane. Bane was a, was a big stepping stone that I needed to... Uh, uh, overcome in order to to get to the point where I felt ready to be able to do a, a 16 bar sequel. I, I needed to I needed to push the idea a little further uh, and figure out what more I could do and how I could involve um, larger size swings into mm -hmm. more um, more lines and combinations. Uh, so that was one of the reasons why I wanted to come out here because I hadn't been in a in a really well made purpose built space um for since since early 2020 um yeah like since like january february 2020 i haven't been in in around this and i and i know this space so well 
um, and I love this space a lot for practice and for per performance in general. So that was the that was the uh, inspiration or the motivation to come out here. Uh, and you were so uh, you were so kind to oblige. We're doing it. <laughs> so you mentioned uh, like bigger swings mm -hmm. for like sixteen bars. I'm actually curious about some of the other because you may have like a different process than, than some other people, uh, particularly in measuring progress. Uh, because I guess one of the reasons to make a sequel is, you know, you want it to be better. I'm thinking of Coach Tom was buying a camera right now, and we had like Ascension 1 and Ascension 2, and if you watch those two, two videos, there's, there's a clear distinction between like the types of climbs he was doing mm -hmm. in the first one, and then at the second one, uh, he did a lot of heights, right? So we're looking at like the uh, balcony ascents and th things like that where you're actually way up there as opposed to just like a, a one or two two move ascent maybe we'll talk about that in another <laughs> another uh episode with tom but for going from 16 bars one where you're already doing or that you know people would obviously notice from that that video you're already doing like some of the bigger swings that anyone could do at the time and obviously pushing that would be one is like can you do further heights further further distances but what other kinds of things are you trying to show progress in from the first one to what you're working on now? The, uh, my ability to travel with, um, with swinging in general is one of the things that I'm really focused on. Um, and my ability to combine different movements with, um, with bar moves. Typically when people do swing lines, or typically when people do a line with a swing in it, I would say there's a bunch of fluff leading up to the slowest start to a swing, um, to a big swing challenge, or um, there's, a, there's a, a lot of movements that I don't think work well together going into a very underwhelming um, swing. And my idea is how, how complex can I make these types of runs and how, how well can I um, utilize a swing to travel and how else can I utilize a swing to travel other than other than solely le chaperie, um, you know what I mean? So finding ways to, to uh, combine different movements, different movement styles with swing, so like le tack, so adding the plyometric aspect to it, or like what I was talking to you about um, being like the le gallop, that was something that I wanted to be able to do. Um, and th a lot of that is, uh, is because of the, like the superhero inspiration, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and the idea of how people with otherworldly strength uh, and uh, and equilibrium are able to utilize something like a swing. You know what I mean? Like how does Daredevil use a swing versus how does somebody in real life use a swing? You know, so kind of trying to bridge the gap between those two things a little bit more, which I think I did pretty well in 16 bars. I think m I did, I did, um, there were definitely a lot more just swing Prees in sixteen in sixteen bars, like the the first film, mm -hmm. um, and there were a few things that I was trying to do with complexity, like the entries and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and what I'm trying to do now is keep that complexity um, or advance upon that complexity of entries and exits, uh, while at the same time pushing my my level. You know, um, mm -hmm. there's an, there's a case to be made that you could say that there's a middle ground between. 16 bars and what I'm trying to do right now with uh, with the sequel um, and that middle ground is a lot of the swing lines that I did in Bane those were in those were conceptualized in preparation for what would eventually become uh, the the sequel to 16 bars 
it's almost like you, I think sometimes when you're talking to me like this and <laughs> I'm hearing it, it's like your, your life is a movie or it's like a, or it's an anime and like these are like the different arcs that yeah. we're going through, the different like story arcs. And actually, as we're talking about this, because I realize we, we do have, um, some people might be listening to this for the audio, some people might be tuning on on YouTube, but we are in the gym and you just gave like a bunch of examples. I don't want us to like give away some of the, because I do think it's important people are surprised, but I was wondering if we could like walk over to one of the bar setups here and I don't need like, we don't need a full demonstration, but you're just talking about things like Lash Attack, Lash A Gallop, and people yeah. are probably, if they're watching, they're probably like, what, what is he? that? I don't understand. <laughs> so I don't know if we can take like a walk over here. Yeah. If you're, if your, you're willing your to. Your choice, um, which one do you want to do? Give away. Well, Lash Attack, Obviously Lash we're not going to do the challenge, but I mean, you could. Yeah. Which, which can, one do you want to talk about? We can mime it out. Let's go, let's go over here. Let's kind of okay. like mime out maybe one or two of these options. So I'll kind of let you choose because you, you named off a couple of different things. And these are, have you, are there certain like swing to certain moves uh, that you're working on uh, or that you've done that you don't think anyone else, like you haven't seen before? I, the the Lache Gallop is, is one of them. Um, there's one that I did and it was very situational. Um, mm -hmm. But there's one that I did in 16 bars where I swung and I didn't just like tack. I call I call it like the matrix run, but um, I have I have basically three walls, right? Mm -hmm. So this is a wall, this is obviously a wall, and then say this is a wall right mm -hmm. here. So when I swung, I swung into this wall, took a step off of this wall, took a step off of this wall, took a step off of this wall, and then landed back on the thing that I swung from. Mm -hmm. um, that's something I haven't seen. Actually, oh, uh, nobody did it before me, as far as I know. Mm -hmm. um, but the only person who I've seen actually do that, uh, other than myself, is Nico Van Hull, because they have a spot like that in, uh, in HAL 5. Um, and, I, and I got to see him, him uh, do that movement. So Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned uh, him, too, because he's someone that I, I look at as doing a lot of swing trickery. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, not just. He's someone, a wizard. Uh, I think, I think what people expect from like, uh, although I mean, he does some trickery himself. But I was going to mention like Tim Champion. Yeah, he's kind of known for like, okay, he, we're going to expect to see like a really big lashy yeah. from him, but kind of from a, a standard setup, you know, just yeah, kit, kit cast, cast go. He does some other trickery. Um, not a lot of. Uh, I don't see Tim do a lot of like wall work with his swings. It's more like like yeah. swing to toe shoot that that yeah. type of thing. Yeah, I, tr I, uh, I don't want to like speak for him, but I actually introduced that to him, um, or at least at least I got to give him the first run through of how to do that when he came out to uh, the the previous gym that I was at, mm -hmm. um, and uh, I got to teach him how to do like a lache tack back at the in that space. He had never done it before, I, and I also got to teach him like lache tack, and I tried to teach him the the matrix run, but that was. That's one of those things where you, you got to be down for that. <laughs> you you got to be down to sit there for a minute and deal with that, that problem. Yeah. Was, uh, that, was that problem, was that something that like it was just uh, a matter of reps and then it got easier? And you're like, oh, this is how it works or this is the vision? <laughs> I wish I could say that. Um, it was so that one, basically, I saw it. 
that's what happened. Like I saw the idea. I literally watched it happen. I, I kept calling it like like Spider like the Spider Man wall run, um, like before I had started to actually con like do it. Um, but the first thing that I needed to do was swing and and get off of the first wall and get to the second wall. That was the that was like the big deal was being able to do that. Um, and then once I was able to do that, then I was like, okay, I, I can I can take my uh, my final step um, and try to get back to where I came from. And that actually started with me going to Cat. And then from, from the Cat, I went back to, there's a low platform, and then there's a pillar right here that's about a foot and a half up, and there's a bar that sticks out of it. That's how you swing into the hallway. So I was going swinging into the hallway, running around the walls, and then catting on the low platform. And then eventually, I was able to get back to Cat on the pillar um, and then that was, that was where it stayed until I shot 16 bars. When I shot 16 bars, I said, I want to land back on the platform, right? So going from catching in the cat position to literally being on top of the thing that I was catching um, was, the, was the intention there. And that all came together progressively. So, yeah, first thing, cat. Second thing, higher cat. Next thing ended up being high cat, half cat. Uh, and then after that, just aiming for the, for the precision. Um, and yeah, that took an amount of reps, but it took a lot of preparation, uh, methodical thinking, I guess, is the best way to say it. Okay. And the next question I was going to ask, because we're just talking about this, you know, 16 bars, being, and, and one of the things like you're, you're very known for is, is swings. You know, if, uh, if someone said Daryl Stingley, if they said Iron Wayzilla, it's almost like synonymous with lashes with swing work. Yeah. And it is something that I think when I met you, um, you were already quite good. You were already quite good at, at, at swings. Not doing the kind of stuff you're doing right now, yeah. but I remember the first time, was it, was it Tempest Games the it first time? It was Tempest Games, Okay, so yeah. yeah, I remember meeting you, and there was like a speed course you did a lash in, and it was beautiful, and you had like some of like the cleanest looking and the most impressive looking speed runs for that competition. And it really stood out like I'd never seen anyone cast that high. This is coming from like even when I designed the gym and the bar setup largely reflects a time where people were doing like swing, catch a bar, swing, yeah. catch a bar, not swing, pre the bar. And that was maybe like the first time in person that I'd ever seen someone like hit something, something big like that. But the next thing we're going to kind of talk about here, and maybe this will kind of, I don't know if it's the reason why you got into swing so much, but... Uh, you had a knee injury at yeah. <laughs> a certain point. I did. And the <laughs> we'll get into like the comment uh, challenge here in a second. But was was that was your knee injury like a big part of the reason why you got into swings, or or was it something that you already decided like I'm going to get really good at this? I I had already wanted to be really good at swinging in general. Phil Doyle was a huge inspiration for me um, for swinging. I mean he. At the time, I would consider I would have considered him to be he's the king of this. He's the dude who does these like far big swings, um, and and I loved the idea. That's like the most Spider-Man like stuff you can do. It's so for the crazy most part. you say you say Phil Doyle because like yeah. I don't think of Phil Doyle as like a swing guy at all. At like, that time, Phil yeah. Doyle is a stride, yeah, stride guy. Yeah, <laughs> but like that's the thing, man. You I mean when you're you know when you're back in that era, you're seeing everything that he's doing at the time. He, he was the first person yeah. to do like a. a Flyaway pre though I think yeah as far as I know him or Ben Jenkins mm -hmm. um, but uh, but he was he was a big inspiration for me for swings there were swings that he had done in in Tempest Valley which is where I was 
uh, the head coach at the time. Um, and there, there were just swing challenges in there that, that he was the only person who did. And I, I you know, from, from before I even moved to LA, you know, when I was 19, uh, I had already been a big fan of Phil for years and I had already been following him for years. So I was trying to swing, but I didn't have a space. I had a, a bar at a park and like a curb that was about 12 feet away. And that was the uh, that was like my first foray into swinging, and it was terrible. So when I got to Tempest, it, I got to actually um, get a space to work on it, and I had challenges in front of me that he already did. So I had I had uh, goals to try to achieve. Um, so I was already trying to do that, and and I already wanted to have uh, I already wanted to have a place uh, on the list of of swing lords at that time. So I decided I was going to get really good at it. I practiced it a lot. Uh, and that was before the knee injury. Uh, and then, you know, I, I had the knee injury and I wasn't able to do the jumps that I was capable of before. I think before, at that time, I wasn't known like solely or, or um, you know, astutely for swinging. I was known for being powerful for the most part and like having good flow, you could say. Um, but but I, wasn't, I wasn't known as like the swing god at that time. Uh, so once the knee injury happened, I was forced to look at my repertoire and, and, and say, what can I do now? And what can I do right now? Because I can't do um, the big strides that I was doing. I can't do, I was doing a lot of like jump clears. I would like clear 15 foot gaps, like, you know, wall here, wall 15 foot away, take off of one wall, clear that other wall and then combo out of it. Couldn't, I couldn't do that at the time. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't touch that stuff again without potentially re-injuring my knee and then having to go back to the hospital. So um, I spent a lot of time doing two things, actually, in particular. Uh, I really, really worked on my climbing. Uh, and once I got to the point where I could still snap, you know what I mean, like to, to tap, um, I was able to get back into swinging. But it actually took a while before I could uh, do like swing Like just, just the kick? Yeah, the kick, the kick I couldn't do. Yeah. Uh, the kick hurt a lot. And... Uh, Again, it was one of those things where it was like, if I, if I do this, then, then uh, I might end up back in the hospital. So I actually focused mostly on, uh, on climbing. That was what I did a lot. And fortunately, at that time, Tom came out with, uh, you guys came out with Ascension, which was actually the, the uh, my friend JT and I were trying to create something like Ascension because we were doing these climbs together because he was my main training partner. We had just started Squadron and all that stuff. So um we were doing climbs all the time, and we were like, man, how do we make this into a video? You guys made it, and I was like, that's it. That's it. So we made Trials. You know what I mean? That was the inspiration. I think Trials came out two months after Ascension. So um, that was what I was doing, and I think through that, that's what got me back into like, movement, like actual parkour movement. Um, and, and that, with strength training, eventually got me to the point where I could feel comfortable swinging off of a bar again and landing on stuff. Uh, and yeah, from the rest from there is pretty pretty historic. <laughs> uh, it's it's interesting for me, like, and I guess it's part of the, I'm I'm a little bit biased because uh, when I ask like, oh, is like your knee injury why you got into swings? Because for me, uh, I tore my Achilles and and now have like torn parts of my knee, but lashay to like pursue even like small ones and stuff. I I didn't dabble too. I didn't do a lot of swings pre. Um, Achilles injury and then after Achilles injury is one of the things where it's like oh I can 
like while I was recovering, I could swing on bars and do things like that because right. I could go bar to bar without landing. And then when I first got out of the boot and was able to land a little bit, but not push off and take off a lot, I did I did a lot of swings because the I don't think, know if people are always aware that uh, lache landings can be quite soft unless mm -hmm. you're doing like a far low drop. But yeah, particularly up like I can like right now I can hit this one and I'm, I'm getting a lot of like the like I can go lash a pre up here and there, there's even the option like where if I if I hit it and I do a bounce back I can step off of this wall I can yeah. drop the cat and so it all just yeah. feels like this very soft thing I don't actually if I fail I don't feel like I have to take the drop but it's also because I have experience with it uh, and I don't know if like people out there like I think a lot of people when they you know face an injury like that they're like oh I, I can't do anything so I'm not mm -hmm. gonna do anything mm -hmm. and so I can do like tiny little precision jumps right now and hop drills and stuff like that but one of the movements that I feel like I can actually express more power on and actually get back into the mindset of of flying through the air, <laughs> getting yeah. some wind in my face and, and hitting a landing is is lashes. They're still scary because there's certain ones that I don't want to hit right now because unlike this one, if it's like a lower target, I don't have the same sort of like soft bounce back mm -hmm. options. Uh, but this is the kind of thing where like I'll, I'll do something like this and post it and people are like, oh, you're all better now. Yeah. Because it, cause it looks like something that, you know, someone with a messed up knee shouldn't be able to do. But little did they realize like, yeah, it's as I can. I have like fairly good range of motion. I can compress the landing, but I'm yeah. not taking like really any imp impact. I'm just floating up there. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was very big for me as well with uh, coming back from the the knee injury was impact in general so like I, I couldn't if I was taking impact I was taking it almost solely on my right leg no matter if I landed on two feet or not like solely the right leg I'm leaning over to it um, and I learned pretty early that I, I, I don't want to do that because uh, that started to have effects on the right knee um, and when I say pretty early I'm saying like couple years in a <laughs> couple years into dealing with the knee injury I started to learn oh uh, dang I can't just uh, I, th if I take everything on this side then it's just gonna lead me to having the same problem that I had you know on the left um, so yeah like finding creative solutions uh, it's not even really I wouldn't even call it a creative solution it's just like thinking about what can be done um, with the the disability that it is to mm -hmm. have um, uh, destroyed ligaments mm -hmm. you know what I mean in, in the in one of the most pivotal parts of the body mm -hmm. um, it's it's uh, it, it, ta it takes a lot of that to be able to try to make progress because that other thing is is um, for me at least in particular I definitely have gotten far better than I was when the knee injury happened um, there are some things that I cannot do and po possibly will never be able to do again um, but if, if I'm gonna compare the list of, of capabilities. Uh, back then I was about here, and most of this was power, ability to connect movements, you know what I mean? Um, and now I have this long list of things that I can do, um, moves in my pocket, and then also um, just performance, understanding, execution, things like that have all gotten better. Um, but that's only because of things like noticing that swinging upward is not impactful so I can work on that at this time noticing things like climbing is not going to be uh, detrimental to me because as long as I catch whatever I'm trying to get to then I'm good I just have to go up right there's no impact 
during climbing. It's mm -hmm. just it's just speed on the way up. Yeah, you can beat up these though. Yeah, you can definitely beat those up. I experienced that. You have experienced that. We know about this. Uh, but you know that's why you uh, you just gotta you, you gotta, gotta take try care to, of those elbows. Yeah, you gotta you gotta try to you gotta make sure that you're being balanced in your training as well. Because maybe like us doing as much plyometric work as we did at the level that we did at the volume that we did is probably one of the main factors that led us to the level of degradation that ended up in a that yeah, snap. I mean, right? I, I attribute most of if I if I had like say like oh what you know what's one takeaway one thing you would do differently or one thing that you think caused like injuries because both because both my injuries kind of just happened um well one of the achilles tear just happened you know i didn't bail yeah just achilles popped the knee injury happened in a, like a weird sort of bail but i i told you this the other day like i think if i bailed that way when i was younger mm -hmm. i don't think or at a different you know different parallel universe or something i don't think anything would happen to my knee i think it could have survived like i had this yeah. leg was way up there and i kind of jammed on this one yeah uh but you know, I've, I've seen other people kind of in similar positions and be totally fine. So I was like, why wasn't I fine? It's like, well, okay, I was like 34 at the time. I trained a bunch. I was, you know, uh, I was like a few days in of like back-to-back -back training days. Yeah. So even I'm learning as I get older to, you know, maybe not do as much volume or as much volume at a certain intensity or as yeah. much impact. But it's it's like old, an old habit, you know, where it's like this, time, is, yeah. this is what I feel like was making me better. And so this is what I'm going to keep doing to an extent, but, but I really have to, um, you know, choose my time wisely now. Yeah. But I think a lot of people are probably surprised to hear that like you, you're, you're talking about like certain things you still can't do right now. And so yeah. people probably like watch your, your content or your, your videos, your art that you put out there and they think, Hey, like this guy's like super fast and powerful. He looks like the epitome of health, yeah. but like there's, not everything is all good. You're like yeah. you're compensating with certain things. So maybe like we could talk about like what what sort of things do you feel like? Well, first of all, I guess like wh like where do you feel strong? Like what what do you feel like is not affected at all? And what mm -hmm. sort of things do you feel like could be better? Or you're still kind of like battling with. Well, my standing jump and plyos for the most part, um, depending on how big they are, don't really uh, feel too affected. Um, I actually experienced my furthest standing jump post knee injury right um but i don't really think you need a a massive amount of stability to do um to do a standing jump i mean i'm you know i'm not like completely unstable to the point where i can't balance on my left leg i can do this um, my balance on my left leg is actually better than balance on my right leg and this is the um previously injured um but in terms of in terms of things like striding and stuff like that uh, I, it's a, it's a, it's a struggle. Like I can't, I can't jump. Like, you know how back in the day we used to just be able to downstride off things that are, you know, hip height, chest height, shoulder height. Like, uh, you could downstride off that. I can't downstride down to my left leg. I haven't been able to, um, if I try to, I will either collapse or as I've experienced before, I've re-injured myself to the point where I've had to, I got to go back to the hospital and go see what's up with this. You know what I mean? And, and deal with it. The, the swelling and everything comes back, it blows back up. Um, the last time I had one was shooting Bane. Last time I had one so where, pretty, pretty recent, yeah, 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 shooting, uh, we shot Bane in 2019, uh, I think so. Um, so yeah, 2019, filming Bane, same thing happened. There's a point in time in the video where I come down from, uh, and this is actually a drop, this is another thing that I struggle with. Um, I was coming down from a downward dive con, nine foot rail, eight foot gap, seven foot wall, 
down, downward dive Kong, and I, I thought I could take it. I had been training for this. I can take straight down drops of nine feet, 10 feet, but like that much forward momentum, having to land, you know, slightly staggered, um, it, it sent my knee in and uh, re-inflamed. Um, and I had to deal with that problem for a month plus or something like that. And then, uh, and then I had to get back to, uh, back to moving on it. You know what I mean? And each time that happens, there's a somewhat of an after effect for an amount of time. Uh, and I, I would consider it to be, I don't feel like my knee, at, in terms of my ligaments, are at the same level of health that they were at even after the initial injury uh, because of how many times I've had that setback. Uh, so things like, yeah, things like fast forward uh, drops uh, past a certain height I, I can't do um, without potentially endangering this knee. Um, downward strides, far strides in general, I can't lock out. I can't like lock my leg out. So on my right leg, I can take a big stride and I can like fully lock out straight through the hip, strict um, through the knee and everything like that. But I can't do that on the left side. So anytime you see me stride or, or cork or double cork or anything off of this left leg, you're gonna see a slight bend in my knee. And a lot of the time, unlike how I, how I should stride, which is coming in with either like, you know, aiming for the heel strike and going midfoot, uh, I come in a little bit flatter so that I don't actually lock onto my heel because as soon as I lock onto my heel, the leg locks and that shift can set me back. So um, I try to avoid things like that. I can still stride on it, um, but there's just a, there's a limit to the distance that I can do without collapsing. Um, I think eight feet's fine. I think nine feet might be okay, but that's probably, you know, I can do one. You know what I mean? I can do one, and then I got another one on the right leg, and then I'm good. Um, running takeoffs I can do. Flat running takeoffs are the hardest. So step up, I can take off, no, no issue. It, it sometimes is like a little bit of a bother around the VMO area if I, if I hit it slightly wrong, uh, but like flat takeoffs, I can't. I can't take off like, like that. Um, I have to, I, you'll see, if you watch the, the videos, you'll see I come in a little bit flatter on my foot for flat takeoffs on my left leg. Um, I can still get pretty good distance, but I don't have the same power. Um, and yeah, I have to limit the side to side. So all in all, you still have plenty of function, obviously, to do all the crazy things <laughs> to other people that, that you can do, but it's not all good. Is, is walking good? Can we? Yeah, walking's walk. okay never, for the most part. You never have any pinches or like, or yeah. like limping no, I issues? Do. <laughs> no, I definitely have that. That definitely happens. Sometimes. Um, so, sometimes, sometimes when I'm walking, I can actually feel uh, on in like the medial side of the knee, um, I can feel the, the impact of the steps. Um, and that's pretty annoying, but it doesn't happen all the time. But it, it, it does happen though. Um, and yeah, this is like many years after it's still a thing, uh, but you know, yeah. Try okay. to work with it. <laughs> so, uh, what and what actually was the uh, the, the diagnosis? Uh, so you, you've uh, been dealing with this injury. We won't say the the, the time just yet, but it's been yeah. it's been some years. It's been yeah. some time, uh, and you did get an MRI for I your did, yeah. for your knee. So what what was the actual like, diagnosis of the injury? Uh, MCL, ACL, meniscus, all torn, uh, not complete ruptures. Uh, I, I don't actually know the severity of the of the um, meniscus 
tear per se, but the MCL uh, was one of the most significant. I mean, MCL and meniscus are the most significant, uh, significantly impacted ligaments um, that I had. Uh, you said ACL as well. ACL as well, yes. ACL, ACL was is pretty significant. Uh, yeah, I'd say but more significant than MCL. But what, well, what I what I meant was the ones that sustain the most damage. Mm -hmm. Where the, and you didn't uh, have surgery. I did not have else. surgery. No. Um, not totally. Not totally uh, because I was against it. Just because it wasn't. It was. I had two recommendations, and unfortunately, I went with the one that my immature mind mm -hmm. um, thought to be the best case scenario for me. Mm -hmm. um, you're, you're not alone in that either. Like yeah. There are there are plenty of people out there that um, have complete ruptures of, of ligaments and don't don't have surgery. Um, probably more rare to hear like multiple. Uh, ligament ruptures without yeah. surgery, but that's also what you got like these guys for. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. That. These these guys. Well, this guy was gone for a long while. Mm -hmm. This VMO was just flat, non-existent for a very long while. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of work to get that back. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it made a difference once it came back. Yeah. And we don't need to get into like the details of that right now. But yeah. obviously, you've done a lot of different types of rehab over the years. Uh, you have a lot of good people like in your camp behind you. To, to show you a lot of things, but uh, there's, there's still some issues. And so, uh, you know, maybe it's the case where I think you were talking about this to me before about, okay, you've, you've worked at it so much, you've tried, you know, every exercise in the book, every stretch <laughs> of yeah. different, like, conservative approaches. So are there things you're looking at in the, the future right now, your future, to, to like, address um, surgical injection, that, that sort yeah. of thing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, I've had lots of conversations with you about this. You've, you know, always been super open and helpful to me um, in that regard, even before you experienced this same issue uh, or a similar issue, uh, and you've only done more since. So um, I definitely have the intention of continuing to, to speak with, with people about the issue itself and trying to find the best solution that I possibly can, because if I can make it better, um, while I'm still professionally active, I would be happy to, to experience that. There, yeah, how, old are, how old are you again? Because most people probably uh, don't know. I'm 28. Okay, so like we're still like in your athletic prime yeah. prime years. So it's, it's not like, uh, you know, if you were 40 yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I should get this uh, uh, surgery done because, you know, I, I want to keep like keep pushing myself and keep progressing. It's like, well, maybe if you've been this good at this point, you probably don't need surgery. Yeah. Yeah, I would, I would prefer, uh, realistically, I just want the best case scenario response. It doesn't, I'm, I don't think that I'm going to, I've already made my peace with the fact that I'm never going to feel how I felt. I don't know, I can't even remember what it felt like. It was so long ago, I really can't remember what it felt like to not be performing with this issue. Um, so I'm not looking for, unless, by God, there's a miracle. If I'm not looking for that, I'm looking for something that can uh, make it better, maybe make it more sustainable, maybe, you know, maintain the health that I do have or even um, uh, add to, you know, increase my health, my knee health. Uh, if that's possible, I would be happy with that. Uh, but I'm just, yeah, I'm looking at whatever options. I'm okay with the surgical route. Uh, I'm okay with, uh, I'm probably, I would lean toward injections because it's not as invasive, of course. Uh, but I just I want to go with whatever um, the best experts I can find are going to recommend to, to me and also what's been 
at least, um, I would say, like, more, more tried and true, you know? I would love to see some cases that show people that have experienced such an extensive injury um, return some, somewhat better, um, better than your traditional surgical means, possibly, or uh, better than just, you know, strength and conditioning rehab, things like that. Yeah, I, I think I think your case too uh, probably gives a lot of people out there like some hope. Right, right now, like I get tons of DMs with people asking about like the specific uh, things that happened to my my knee. So I had a cartilage uh, tear as well as a meniscus tear. Mm -hmm. uh, cartilage on the uh, femoral condyle. Your meniscus sits on top of your uh, your tibia and out of those like things like yeah those are things you can recover from so you can have microfracture surgery absolutely you can return to sport it's well it's well documented you can have a meniscus injury return to sport it's well documented you can have uh, ligament ruptures and absolutely return to like a, a high level of sport so all these things are possible and that's like the question I get all the time is like yeah. it's like how long when and you know it's we're not uh, experts on it, and we're yeah. not, I'm, not, I'm not here to uh, tell people when they can return to something, but yeah. um, it is possible to, uh, to recover from these things. Okay, so I, I do want to uh, wrap up uh, this, uh, this talk. There's you know, a lot else we could talk about, and maybe next time you're out here, we will do this again. Actually, I should say maybe we'll definitely do this again next yeah. time you're out here. Yeah. But there is a, a comment question we're going to get into, and uh, Tom, could you pass me uh, that thing you have on your head there? Okay, so you can win uh, one of these <laughs> fine five-panel Origins hats if you leave a comment and you can tell us which North American Parkour Championship event, which number it was that Daryl Stingley suffered a career-turning point, <laughs> uh, career injury. I'm only one laughing about this. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah. knee injury that we've uh, discussed in this episode. So if you can tell us in the comments, the first person to answer correctly what NAPC it was, you can win this hat right here. All right, well, thanks for joining us. Remember to uh, like, leave us a comment, and let us know what you'd like to hear us talk about in another episode of STS. A segment that we have yet to get into is the technique critique. We did get some submissions, so thank you if you have uh, submitted a video for us to review in our technique critique. But also one of the things we left out last time is please be specific when uh, submitting a video. So if you're gonna submit a clip, please specifically ask us what technique in that clip you are looking for us to do a critique on, and we'll, we'll get into that segment in the next episode of STS.